I normally bring my, my, my phone onto the platform. There's no clock here. Uh, and uh, I'll just watch my arm clock. So uh, I don't want to go over my time. <laughs> okay. Well, it's so good to be here. Uh, the first thing that struck me when I come here is uh, people are genuine, friendly. Uh, and uh, I just love this place, you know. Uh, for years, I had one church where I preach in, in, in Arkansas. I now have two. So, <laughs> and uh, and uh, this is definitely uh, my anchor church in Arkansas. Uh, when I first time came to America, I, I called it Arkansas, and then and everybody looked at me strange, and they said, no, it's not Arkansas, it's Arkansas. I still have a problem today with how you pronounce your S's, but um, I will work with you, okay? It's Arkansas, uh, but it's actually Arkansas, but let's just come to a mutual agreement that we differ on that one, <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, tomorrow night, I want you to bring a handkerchief, uh, not a tissue, a handkerchief. Uh, I don't think they laid tissues on one another in the, in, in, in the days of Acts. I don't think they had tissues. But just bring it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up about the mantle. Uh, and uh, I, I just want you to have an handkerchief with you. I would have asked Pastor to get some towels, but I, I thought, no, one, one handkerchief is good. So bring that. Um, if you can, make it white. Um, it always looks good on a picture if you want to take a picture. But uh, it's going to be a good night tomorrow night. I, I just sensed that over there, and I just uh, I had a word in mind for tomorrow night, and I changed it right there. So now we need a handkerchief. Uh, if you want to know more, come tomorrow night. Um, it, it, is, it is really good to be here. I saw pastors, uh, this is your youngest daughter. Um, I really feel the Lord is going to draw you into your destiny from now on forward. It's almost like you danced in the rain, you danced over there, and then you were over here, and then you were over there. But you've stayed faithful, you just love the Lord. There was one or two opportunities you had to go in a certain direction, and you did not. Um, and some people maybe may, may have thought, well, why doesn't she take the gap when the gap comes? Well, you felt it was not the time to take the gap. But uh, I feel like the Lord is drawing you now into a direction that will ultimately take you to your destiny uh, for what He has created you for. And, um, and uh, uh, I have nothing for you at this moment, but uh, <laughs> if you stay the whole meeting, maybe I'll get something for you. But um, I think the Lord believes in this saying, which is, ladies first. I don't think so, but I just think so. Okay. But I really feel the Lord is going to draw you into something significant. And then, Jojo, you and your wife... Uh, you have watched many people excel in certain directions, uh, and you've always blessed them. And you've, it's, when you see people get momentum in their life, you always uh, approve it in your spirit and bless them. But a question did arose 
what is our bigger uh, picture in life? You and your wife, what is that? And the Lord is bringing you closer to that as well, um, where one or two adjustments will take place. But um, the Lord says, um, you, you, have, you have much to give. You're a strong guy. You're a no-nonsense guy. And sometimes you chase people away the way that you, you were so strong. In a nice way, you chase them away. Uh, uh, they are still your friends, but they respect you for who you are because blue is blue and black is black and white is white with you. And, uh, but God says, I'm going to bring you into a season of a little bit more grace. You're going to be more gracious. And you, I'm bringing you also closer to that thing that will also provide in a bigger way for you and your family uh, financially because you've seen other people's success and you've approved it, but it's about time that your success must now be priority and not other people because God wants to take care of you financially and He's going to make it happen. God bless you. Amen. I don't charge anything for these words because it's not my word. It comes from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, I mixed some humor in it just to keep it interesting. Um, and uh, uh, come to every service because God's going to speak to us and you never know what happened. The Holy Spirit is unpredictable. And um, you want to be in the meeting when the Holy Spirit chooses to talk to you. Amen. Now, remember, when I minister the Word, that is God speaking to everybody. So don't wait for a personal prophecy and in that process miss the whole purpose because uh, especially tomorrow night I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to use that, that handkerchief in the meeting. The Lord just laid it on my heart while I was sitting there, so make sure you are here tomorrow night because much prophetic ministry can go hand in hand with that. So uh, I just want to warn you, okay? This morning I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 7. And I want to talk to you at life at the gate. Life at the gate. Now, I'm going to read a few verses, and then we're going to uh, reverse back into this chapter, and I'm just going to go to another miracle first and then come back to the one that I want to talk to you about. But I want to call this life at the gate. Luke 7 verse 11 says, Now it happened the day after, that he went into a city called Nine, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, uh, the only son of his mother, and, sh and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. So then he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. It's amazing how God talked to dead things as if it's just no issue. Young man, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Now, before this miracle happened, there's another miracle that happened in the verses prior, and that was a miracle that happened over a distance, and I just want to read that as well. 
It says in verse 1, And when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. I love it. When he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people. You must first hear it. Uh, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he would do this was very deserving, for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. And Jesus went with them. Now remember, now Jesus is on his way to this house, and Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should even enter under my roof. So he sends people with a message to Jesus. They stopped him right in his tracks, and he said, But say the word, Jesus, if I can just get you to say it. But the moment you say it, I know it happens. Because I heard that you just say things and then it just exists. Just say the word. What am I going to do this morning? I'm going to say the word. And when I say the word, it's done. God's word on your lips is just as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. Come on. And he said, say the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go. And the other one goes. And to the other one, come. And then he comes. And my servant, do this, do that. And he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around and he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such a great faith, not even in Israel. So Jesus was so impacted that this man just wanted to say it, and the miracle will happen over a distance. So he stopped Jesus right there. Now, just after this miracle, we find Jesus walking to the city called Nine. And uh, it says the city Nine. Uh, those days when a city had walls around it, then only it was considered a city. Nine was not that big, and, um, but still it's considered a city because it had the walls around it. Walls for safety. There's many reasons why you build a wall around a home. Number one is for safety, especially when you go to South Africa. Uh, but walls cannot always protect you. I'm talking about natural walls. So here we have this picture. Uh, nine was about 18 miles away from Capernaum. I'm going to give you just a picture this morning from the Word, just a picture, not a sermon. Sometimes a picture from the Word can speak louder than a sermon from Google. Come on. A prophetic picture is like something that will be burned into your spirit that you will never forget. And so here we have Jesus. He's going to walk from Capernaum to Nine. Capernaum, like I said, is about 18 miles away from Nine. It was close to the Sea of Galilee. 
close to the Sea of Galilee, a few kilometers, well, that's probably two, three miles, I'm not sure, away from Nazareth. So you have Nazareth, you have Capernaum, you have the Sea of Galilee, and you have a city called Nine, and Jesus decided he's going to walk that day to Capernaum. He's on his way to Capernaum. Now, that was a, a long distance, uh, and he had a lot of people with him. And when you have a lot of people with you, you cannot always walk that fast. When I look at the Scriptures here and how they did things those days, Jesus must have left Capernaum uh, early that morning. You walk about six, seven hours. It'll take about six, seven hours to walk 18 miles. So I want you to get the picture here. Jesus have a big crowd around them. That miracle happened the previous day. Why is there such a big crowd around him? Because of the miracles that he does. And now he decided, I'm going to walk tonight. Jesus is man, but he's also God. And I believe that when Jesus left Capernaum to walk 18 miles that day, he already knew why he's doing it. Come on. God never does anything not knowing why he does it. God is here in this meeting with a purpose of getting hold of you. He's got you in mind. So uh, he must have walked that whole day. And here is the picture. When you go to the city of Nine, it, 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 we just read it there, there was in that city, there was a widow, and her son died. Her son died, but she was already a widow. That tells me she's now preparing for a funeral, but and in those days, the funeral would have happened outside the city. The funeral yard was outside the city, and when you have a gate at the city, the gate is normally that place where a lot of things happen, coming in, going out. Come on. Yeah, I think it's 2 Kings chapter 7 where the prophet prophesied, and he says, tomorrow this time there will be food in the gates of Samaria. Food in the gates. Now, this morning we have come to this meeting, and we have all kinds of gates we have mental gates, financial gates, health gates, job gates, a gate. She lost her son, and she's on her way to do a funeral. Now, the other thing you need to remember is, in those days, when somebody died, they try to do the funeral the same day. And they take the corpse, like I said, outside the city. If the person died late in that day or towards the evening, they will use, leave it for the next morning. But here we have the picture. She's on her way to the funeral site or to do the grave site outside the city. But 18 miles from that city, Jesus decided, I want to go to the city of Nine today. Can you see where I'm going? Every one of us 
is on our way somewhere. You can have all the positives in your life, but every now and then something negative creeps in, and that becomes a, a concern for you. Maybe it could be your finances, your future. And you're on your way somewhere. I mean, if you're 50 years old, you think of the day when you will be 65 and 66, and maybe you need to retire, and that is a gate that you say, I need to go through that gate. How do I get there? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Maybe you have a doctor's appointment this week, and that is a gate you need to move through on your way to find out what your future looks like. Here we have a woman. Her husband died. She's a widow. So it's not the first time she's going to this gate. It's not the first time she's going to go through this gate for the same reason, because now her son died. But what blesses me here is this. Her son died in the city. She's going to do that afternoon. She's going to have an afternoon funeral. But 18 miles away, somebody else decided, I'm not going to spend my day in Capernaum today. I've done miracles here yesterday, but for some reason, I need to go to the city called Nine because I have a gate appointment with somebody else who's going to go through the gate of tragedy. And I want to say to all of you, whether you believe it or not, the Holy Spirit already decided about this service long before you even had a need to come to the service. God had this meeting in mind before you even realized you will have a certain need this morning. That's my God. Uh, you know, I spoke in your church last year about storms, and I spoke about how Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. I think it's Matthew 14. And because he's God and man, and sometimes he knows things ahead of time. Not sometimes. He always knows things ahead of time. Where does the prophetic come from? The prophetic is actually God ministering because God knows the future better than what you know your past. He's excellent. He's brilliant. And he already see your future gates where you will go through to go and bury something that you have no option because when you have a corpse, the only thing you can do is bury it. But Jesus is not thinking the way you think, and he is already on his way. So what happened here is it must have been early in the day the culture says we need to bury him. The walls could not stop death. How many of you know that we can do all, we can do a lot of things in life and get it right and still not stop tragedy? We cannot stop it. But we have a God who's willing to leave where he is to be on time when we need him the most. Come on. And God is about to do it in the gate in the gate of the city where everybody's moving in and out, God is going to do it in the gate even of this generation in such a place that nobody will miss it. God has a way of healing our gates 
so that even the eyes of the naysayers and the complainers will see it. Because in the gate of the city, everybody is going to hear about this miracle. But in the gate of America, how many of you believe there's a USA gate? There's, there's, there's a nation's gate. There's a, God is going to do it in the gate of the USA. He's going to do certain things so that everybody in the, in the nation will see it. Come on. He knows how to get his message out. Um, two beautiful things you need to see here. There's two sons involved. The one is the son of a widow. The other one is the son of God. Can you see it? Two sons involved. The one is a corpse. The other one is the life giver. Come on. Not only that, it's two only sons. The boy was her only son. Jesus is the only son of the Father. Both have crowds following them. The one crowd follow a corpse that has been a son. The other crowd follows the love giver. The one crowd is sad. The other crowd is glad. Can you see it? And sometimes you and I, we are surrounded by crowds, people that are affected by what has gone wrong in our lives. How many of you know when somebody's spin out of control in the family, it affects the whole family? Just, it's just what it is. So here we have a crowd that are affected by a precious young boy that died. So they are sad. And sometimes... What happens in your life affects a crowd. It affects, everybody has an influence sphere. And, uh, but I want to see you, I want you to see the two pictures. So here we have two boys walking towards one another. The one know exactly why he's going to Nyan. The corpse didn't know where he's going. He's dead. But we have two crowds heading to one another, and we are, we are here for a head-on-head -head collision. How many of you believe that you have a head-on-head -head collision appointment this morning with the life giver? Doesn't matter what has gone wrong in your life. Doesn't matter what sadness you have. Doesn't matter uh, what unexpected thing came into your life. You are on your way to an appointment that will not happen. I've got good news for you. You are fearing something that you, haven't, you have no reason to fear it. You are afraid of two months from now, and the Lord says you have nothing to be afraid of. Because what you don't know is before you put that corpse in the grave, I have an appointment with you. Because what you don't know is that I already know, I'm God, I already know you will not complete the mission you're on. I'm about to give you back your joy. You must understand those days they had professional mourners. That is people that mourn, drink a lot of water and weep and make this funeral look very successful. Come on. 
How many of you know there's a lot of people today mourning, and if you really want a lot of sadness, you can just go to certain people and you will be really sad. <laughs> so, so here we have a sad crowd going towards the gate, and uh, they follow this widow, and the widow follow the corpse. But, but Jesus is coming from Capernaum. I can just see the guards on the walls of the city. Those days they had guards on the walls. And I can just imagine. How many of you know that your imagination is a gift that God has given you? Come on. Don't be boring. Revive your imagination. Come on. Uh, um, and I can just see you have guards on the city wall of nine, and I can just see the, the, the guards up there says, Hey, guys, I've got news for you. There's a crowd coming out of the city. Oh, the guards probably spoke to one another and said, Man, I heard that boy died, and I can already see there comes the funeral crowd towards the gate. It's not going to be a good day in the gate today. I just noticed that it's a pretty large crowd. But then he turned around, and he noticed in the distance, but here is another crowd coming to the same gate. Who are they? Can you see the picture? I feel the anointing right on that picture. And when they look, they say, but man, there's a crowd coming. It comes from, it looks like they're coming from Capernaum. Because that is the direction of Capernaum. And when I look at the crowd in the distance, man, they, they look different than this crowd in the city. It looks, like, it looks like this crowd are singing. It looks like some of them have tambourines. Man, I don't know what this crowd is all about, but it, they look very much different than the crowd that... That is in the city. And I want to say to all of you, there is a crowd. There is an angelic force of the miraculous coming your way. And if you can just look prophetically through the gate outside where you are, you will already see your healing is coming towards the gate where you were about to say your final goodbyes to that boy that just died this morning. Come on. That is my whole sermon. It's as simple as this, but you know what I've learned? Men write books, and they are brilliant. They are smart. A lot of information, but it's not profound. Jesus operate in simple ways, but it's profound. And all I want to say to this church this morning is, you are appointed by heaven for a head-on collision with a life giver that's going to stop you in your tracks and send you back home with good news. Come on. Somebody say, I just came. Say, I just came. No, no, no. Don't say it like Arkansas people. Say it like Arkansas people. Say, I came to be turned back home 
with good news. Come on. Hallelujah. Now, the boy that is in the coffin died. Well, he will be resurrected again, but then he will die again. But then one day he will be resurrected again and go to heaven. The only one, the life giver coming to the gate, he will die on a cross, but then he will be resurrected again, never to die again. <laughs> but the life giver is about to change my crowd, the crowd of the corpse, and bring them on par with a crowd that follows Jesus. And I want to say to the church in America, we need to adjust the atmosphere amongst us so that we, that we will adopt the atmosphere where heaven is. Wherever Jesus is, it's heaven on earth. Come on. And I pray that God will change you and your crowd and your whole perception you will not die one day before your time. That is the picture. Now, again, again, both of them had followers, but here is the good news. We do not follow a corpse. We follow the life giver. So, gate moments is godly moments. Gate moments is holy orchestrated moments. She was leaving her house to bury her son. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Ask the people, what is it that you already start to make preparations for to bury it? What is it, what is that thing that you gave up on? What is, maybe it's a dream of some sort that you had, but you came to the conclusion, my dream is dead. Maybe it was a business idea or a business concept. Maybe it was something that you want to become. The Lord is saying to me, to say to you, whatever you thought you will bury, you will not bury. Whatever you hang on to, because you must understand, that boy was her pride in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. This is New Testament. But in the Old Testament, the greatest honor for a woman was to have a son. The word son means ministry. The word son means carrier of future generations. So her dream was wrapped up in that son because he would have taken the family name into the future. Maybe he would have gone into ministry. Maybe he would have become a prophet. Maybe, I don't know, every mother has a dream for her boy. But I'm not here to talk about boys and girls. I'm here to talk about your future generation, your future pride. God says, I am here to rescue that dream that you were about to bury. I'm here to give you a yes for something that you thought carries a no. 
I'm here to resurrect what you gave up on. Let's be honest. We are all human. We are all flesh. And sometimes we give up on certain things. We don't say to anybody we gave up on that. We just become quiet. I don't talk about it anymore. I don't mention it anymore. Because I don't want people to think that I still believe that that will happen. The Lord says, don't give up on your dream. God says, you already hired professional mourners. You already bought the coffin. And God says, everything you've done is a demonstration that your faith is in reverse. But God says, I don't care how negative you have been. I have left Capernaum 18 miles to meet you at the gate just before you will slip out of the city to have a successful funeral. Come on. Isn't that amazing? I think Jesus, who was God and man, at one point said to the crowd, come on, crowd, you better walk a little bit faster. According to my knowledge, we're going to be late because I have a gate appointment. You are excited. I know you are excited because you've seen miracles. But if I can get you to walk a little bit faster, I'm going to make you even more excited than what you are now because I am God and I already know what I'm about to do at the gate of somebody who gave up. And if I can get you to walk faster, come on, guys. I want to be, I'm not going to tell you what this is all about. I'm not going to give you any prophetic knowledge of what's coming, but just walk faster. You won't be sorry. And I want to say to some of you, uh, in a certain, in the context of the crowd that just came from Capernaum, I want to say to all of you, you are in a Capernaum crowd. Pick up your feet, move a little bit faster, because the Lord says to the Capernaum crowd, I have something even greater I want to show you, but you need to speed up. Come on. And if you are in the crowd of the fun- on the funeral side, because we are all in a crowd, you are either in the Capernaum crowd. Man, I feel the anointing is now really coming on to me because I'm getting more information, revelation now. So you are either in the Capernaum crowd or you are in the funeral crowd. Doesn't matter what crowd you're in, you're going to see the same miracle. You're going to see the same miracle. This crowd from Capernaum will go from a level of joy to a level of supernatural, divine, exuberant joy. This crowd that is in a funeral mode will be promoted from nothing to the same level of this crowd because resurrection power in the natural eye will take anybody. Come on. That's why the negative side of America, the naysaying side, the whiners and the complainers in America, those that has never gone to church, when they see the resurrection power, God will resurrect them in one day from zero to the same level of this crowd. And oh man, and everybody will be on the same page. And we will say, Jesus is Lord of the whole USA, including Heber Springs. (laughs) Come on. 
Turn to somebody next to you and say to them, we are in a crowd. Amen? Maybe there's a husband and a wife here this morning, and the one feels so good, and the other one is down in the dumps. I'm going to say this morning, Lord, bring husband and wife into the same crowd. And please give, give everybody the Capernaum crowd. Does this, does this help you? Does this help you? So, so here we have this incredible story. It blessed me when I realized that Jesus left 18 miles away from the gate. He left Capernaum to meet not only a dead corpse. Because when you read the Bible, it says the first thing Jesus did in verse 13 is he saw her. Before he saw the corpse, I think he saw both of them, but the Bible says he saw her. So the first thing he did is he first addressed her problem. Before God will resurrect your problem, he's first going to fix you up. He said, no, 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 God, fix up the problem and I will order. No, 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 God says, I want to stop you tearing up because you are, you are weeping with no purpose. Your tears is wasted because God says, what I'm about to do for you, you will not have tears. So you can just as well stop, widow. He said to her, do not weep. Jesus is always impacted by your tears. Tears catches his eye. And then uh, he said, uh, uh, he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still, and he said, young man, young man, young man, hey, young man. I had somebody yesterday, young man, who came to me, and he said, and that man said to me, say the word. Young man, you know, yesterday I said it. And it happened. Hey, young man, young man, you here in the court, you, you're in the coffin here, young man. I'm about to say it. Young man, I'm about to say it. Rise up and walk. Wow. Everybody say, wow. There he stops the whole funeral. It happens in the gate. I can just see the guards that's on the walls. They saw the two crowds coming closer and closer and closer. And I think they must, have, they must have thought at one point, how is this going to work? The people in this crowd plus the people in this crowd will never get through the gate at the same time. Jesus doesn't plan for the one crowd to leave the city. God is planning a head-on collision on purpose. 2,000 years ago, he left heaven. And he's planning a head-on collision in America again. I'm telling you, we're going to see the miraculous. And we will not see it in hidden places. We're going to see it in the gates. <laughs> Can you imagine? Come on, imagine. I told you in the beginning, I need to revive your imagination. <laughs> Can you imagine... What happened here? Now watch this. It says there, so he who, ha who was dead sat up and began to speak. See, God made you to speak. The first thing he did is he spoke. Become vocal. 
become, the moment life comes in, your mouth and your tongue must come in alignment with what happened in your spirit. Become vocal. And the Bible says, and he spoke, and he presented him to his mother. Oh, I wonder what that looked like. I think he sat up, and I think he turned back in the coffin, and he said, hey, mom, wow, I'm back. I just want to present myself to you. Your problem, your problem will speak to you not from a point of death, but from life. Your problem will be vocal, and your problem will say to you, let's go home. Isn't that beautiful? That boy did not miss one night in his own bed. That boy did not miss one night in his own bed, and he did not spend one night in a grave. Your problem, your vision is not dead. God says, you left your home sad, you will come back home glad. Because God Almighty decided it's time to stop you in the gate just before you leave the city and have a funeral that is sad, something I never intended you to have. Two crowds, two sons, two only sons. The one is a corpse, the one is a love giver. It all happened in the gate. But what blesses me the most is that based on this truth, I can now declare that God Almighty and the Holy Spirit is already in motion on my behalf. And maybe five days from now, and maybe seven days from now, and maybe two weeks from now, God is going to meet me at the gate of my need. And when he meets me at the gate of my need, I will say, Lord, but how did you know I'm heading towards this gate? And God will say, Son, before you even develop this need, I knew your son will die, and I already made a plan in Capernaum, and I said, let's go to the city Nine. I have a divine appointment with a city called Nine. I came from Atlanta, but your appointment is not with me. Your appointment is with a God that I serve. And God is saying to me, tell Hebrew Springs, I left heaven to visit Hebrew Springs. You may not get all the guest speakers you want to get in here. You may not get all the mighty men on television. But God says, don't settle for a television guy or a woman. I am the resurrection and the life. And I know what Hebrew Springs need. And I came to Hebrew Springs on this Sunday morning to say to you, you will not have a successful bad day. I'm about to send you home in a different way 
than what you left your home this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Maybe 90% of your life is surrounded by the Capernaum crowd. But maybe 10% of your life, that one thing that you battle with, that one thing that you struggle with, come on, maybe her finances were good. Maybe she lived in a great home. Maybe her husband left them enough money. So maybe 90% of her life, spirit, soul, and body was in the Capernaum crowd. It was all good. But maybe 10%, that dead boy, that dead boy had a sad crowd around him. And maybe many things in your life is just good. But that one thing in your life that bothers you so badly at this moment is wrapped in bad smell. It, it needs to be taken care of because that funeral had to take care, had to happen that same day. And maybe you're in a situation where you say, I, I have to address something and I have to address it now. Maybe you have a 20-hour problem, a 24-hour problem that needs to be addressed now. The Lord says, I left Capernaum on time even for a problem that just happened this morning. And before your day is over, before your problem is 12 hours old or 18 hours old, oh, man, man, isn't that good? Because the funeral had to take place the same day. God says, the same day you got the bad news, I can turn it into good news. I apologize, guys, that I give you this incredible word. I apologize that this word is so good. I apologize that this word is so phenomenal, so profound. I apologize that this word even talks about the resurrection of the dead. I'm so sorry that the goodness is so good. The word eongelion in the Greek means good tidings, good news. His word is good news. And I apologize that Jesus is so profound that he left Capernaum to meet me six, seven hours later by the minute on the clock. I don't have the gift to explain to you what it looked like. Here comes the crowd, super joyful. They're singing. They're dancing. Here comes a crowd, and the, the, the professional mourners can be heard. They're weeping intensely. And here comes joy and sadness. And they stopped in the gate. The people in the back of the crowd, of the funeral crowd, must have thought, well, what's going on? Why are those people so excited? We are sad. Well, sadness will not overcome joy. Joy will overcome sadness. <laughs> the corpse will not threaten the life giver. The life giver is a threat to the corpse. 
Jesus has never attended a funeral that was ever successful in the Bible. Never. You cannot invite the resurrection and the life to your funeral. He's not going to allow you to have a successful funeral. Amen? And how many of you realize this morning God is stopping you in your tracks and he's saying to you, you will not move another inch in the direction of the graveside. You just gave your last step. You thought you had another mile to walk to the funeral graveside on the outside of the city. You will not walk the rest of your journey of sadness, destruction. I'm about to change it. And I'm going to change the sadness in this crowd going home back into the city with exuberant joy. Get yourself ready. You're going to cook your boy, your dream, a steak tonight because he's going to be hungry by the time he gets home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Pray that God will change the crowd in your home. Pray that whoever you mingle with and interfere with or fellowship with, pray that, that, that every crowd you are part of will get into the right spirit, the, the Capernaum crowd. Oh, Jesus, I pray that Hebrew Springs first will be a church that will become known as the Capernaum Church. They have seen too much of God's goodness to be sad. They have seen too much of God's faithfulness to be sad. May God help me that I will always have a Capernaum crowd spirit on me. That I will always preach from out my atmosphere that I'm wrapped in. Because I'm following the life giver. And the life giver is saying, speed up, Andre Fonsal, speed up. Because I, you and I, we have an appointment at another gate. And if you know what I'm going to show you at the gate of Nyan, you will walk a little bit faster. Okay, Jesus, I'm coming, I'm coming. <laughs> I hope you get something out of this. Because I'm getting more and more... Hallelujah. I've got two people there from Pennsylvania. I believe they now live in Hot Springs. And they heard that I'm preaching here. You heard wrong. I'm not here. It's Jesus in me that's here. Hallelujah. They came all the way from Pennsylvania via Hot Springs, and now they are here. And I want to pray that God will send you back to Hot Springs hot in the Holy Ghost. If you say this morning, what's the time? Quarter till 12. Still early. I'm here until Tuesday morning, so we've got lots of time. <laughs> if you say this morning, I believe every negative mission I've been on, every 
negative situation, every dream, whatever I carry, that I thought it's Ichabod, it's over. If you have something that you want to bury, and you say, I, I was just about to get rid of it. I was just about to make peace that I will never see that dream come to pass, even in my business. I was just about to say, honey, I don't think this will ever happen. Maybe you had that discussion with your wife, and you said, honey, I don't think. I, I, I thought this was God, but it seems to me it's not God. No, you're wrong. It was God. That boy, the day God gave that boy to her, it was God. So don't come and tell me now that he died, or maybe God should never have given me this boy, because why would God give me this boy and now he died? Don't go to the negative side of things that you don't understand. You don't understand why the boy died, and now God will sometimes use something negative to turn it into such a positive. I mean, from that day forward, and I need to stop now. From that day forward, she and that boy had a testimony that you cannot have un until you have a corpse. I have a testimony that I had six months to live. I honestly, I had six months to live when I was six years old. Lungs fell flat, eyes going blind. Doctors gave my mother six months. This boy will live six months and he will be dead. If he's not dead within six months, they, they predicted I will be totally blind. I'm 70 years old. I don't act like 70. I don't look like 70, especially when you look at the front side. Where did I get my testimony from? I got it from the pit of hell. I got it in the gate of death. That's where I got it from. That day, God gave that house a testimony. And God says, I want to give you a testimony in the very gate where you thought you will say your final goodbyes to that boy. I'm going to turn around so that forever you will have a testimony that was birthed out of your darkest moment. Can I say to you prophetically, you have come to a meeting that can transform you for the rest of your life. You have come to a moment, I feel it in my spirit, because I'm saying things that's not on this piece of paper. But God says, I need to tell you, you have come to a meeting, and it doesn't mean tonight and tomorrow night is third and second class, and this is the best, and you don't need to come back. You better come back. saith I, and the Lord. If you believe this word will stop you in the tracks and help you to make a turnaround, stand on your feet. If you believe this is a turnaround morning, It is almost impossible to even make an altar call. 
Let us just assume that the altar call is everybody on their feet. There's so many, basically the whole house is on their feet. But the reason you're on your feet is because of that one thing that you were ready to bury. And God is saying, you will not bury your son. Widow, you will not bury your son. I did not walk 18 miles in vain. I am the son of God. I don't waste one breath. I don't waste one word. And neither do I waste one step. I'm here to stop you. Ma'am, you did not know about me. When you left your home this morning, you did not even think about me. But I've got news for you. When I left Capernaum, I knew about you. You are flesh. I'm God. You had no idea I will stop you this morning. But I'm stopping you for the right reason. Stop. I brought a stop sign with me, and I'm saying to you, stop right here. You will not cross out of the gate. Stop. You will not go out of the gate. Stop. Stop. I'm stopping you. And I'm saying to dreams and visions and business ideas, I'm saying to negativity, I'm saying to the spirit of death, stop. I'm saying to all the mourners, stop whining. I say to that whining spirit in you, stop. You have nothing to say. <laughs> I'm saying to every one of you, you will not bury anything. Because Jesus said, I walked 18 miles so that a young boy will not go into the grave. Raise your one hand. Pray loud. Say this morning, everything in my life that represents sadness, negativity, dreams that I gave up on, the spirit of the crowd from Capernaum will now take over my life. And everything in me will now become joyful. Say the spirit of joy will overcome the spirit of negativity. And both crowds, come on, say both crowds will go back where they came from in complete joy. Say so this morning, the Lord resurrect my dream. He resurrect my vision. I will live and I will not die. God changed me in the gate where I planned to say my final goodbyes. Everybody say, good morning, son. Everybody say, welcome back, son. Say, welcome back, dream.
Look at me. That boy represented himself to his mother. Hello, mom. Just want to tell you who I am. I'm Andre Fonsell. You remember that boy that God gave you six years ago? I'm back, mom. You remember what you said to the doctor, mom? You said to the doctor when he said to you, I will die within six months. You said to the doctor that God told you that one day I will go to the nations and I will preach the gospel. You remember, mom, what you don't even know is, mom, you're in heaven now, but do you know that just after you died, I called my ministry good news to the nations. So I'm just here to say to you, mom, I'm back, and my ministry is called Good News to the Nations. And by the way, mom, you're in heaven, but I'm already 70 years old. And mom, you will not believe it. I'm 64 years on the other side of that gate when I was supposed to die. So I just want to tell you, mom, can I, can I present myself? Mom, I want to present myself to you. I'm presenting myself to you, and I'm saying to you prophetically, I am not done yet. And I wish I can get all of you to say it as loud as I say it and shout it to that person next to you. And maybe you, when you shout at that person, their deaf ear will pop open. <laughs> but you need to say to that person, I'm not done yet. I'm here to present myself. Come on. He he presented himself to his mother. Come on. Say, I am about. This is very strong. Prophetically say, I'm about to make a presentation to people that thought I lost my purpose in life. Say, I will have to. Present the new me. Because some of them heard, I'm dead. But I will have to present myself and say to them, what you heard was the truth, but not the real truth. Go to your children, go to your family, go to your friends, go to the restaurants, go to everybody and say, I'm back. I'm back. Sunday morning at Heber Springs First, I heard a word. You remember in Luke 7? Listen to this. I want to remind you. Luke 7 verse 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, what happened this morning? You heard his sayings in your hearing. And once you hear what he says in your hearing, you are messed up for the right reason. You will present yourself because the sayings, New Testament preaching, Chain. Wow, wow, I need to behave. This is first assembly. It's not just another assembly, it's first. <laughs> and I need to talk like a first assembly kind of guest speaker. Oh, I'm just losing my dignity. 
don't let me demonstrate to you what that mother looked like when that dead boy got out of that coffin. <laughs> she had a tambourine and I think she said to that crowd let's go home but let me go in front of you and show you how we will go home I pray when you go home you don't you skip all the stop streets and the traffic lights and You know, my only accident I ever had in America <laughs> happened at the first traffic light when you came come from the Holiday Inn Express. And you know, I text the pastor. I said, shall I rent a car? And then he texts me back, no, I'll pick you up. But I found out why he picked me up. On my way here this morning, he said to me, his first wife, I will not call names. Said to him, maybe it's better that you pick him up and don't let him drive. He's not good with his driving in this big city of Hebrew Springs. So that's why I don't have a rental car. <laughs> Amen. Pray for your pastor's wife. She said it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just presenting myself to you as somebody that only had one wreck in America. Why do you focus on my one mistake? I'm in this country for 22 years. I've never had another reckon ever, not in Los Angeles and Dallas, much more traffic than here. But you remember my one mistake. I want to present to you that you become more like Jesus. Is that what the woman do in Arkansas? <laughs> Give the Lord a good praise. <laughs> oh, man. I just had to get back at her. And uh, you will never do anything like that to me again. Because I have a gift to reveal especially pastors and their wives' wrongdoings in front of the whole crowd. And uh, church, all I can say to you is, God turned you around. The saying of the Holy Spirit is in your ear. And what is in your ear will heal whatever needs to be healed. I look forward to hear about dreams restored, visions restored, joy restored. I look forward to incredible testimonies. And I look forward to people being back on track with the things that they gave up on. God, God will restore your joy to the max. May God bless you. Pastor, you better take over. I think I'm going to stop right here, but come back tonight. I want to pray for people. I want to prophesy to people. And remember your handkerchiefs tomorrow night.